0: Welcome to Marketing Without the Marketing. I'm your host, Michael Bozzi, and happy that you can join me. You know, over the past couple episodes, I've been talking a lot about contracts, which are important to small business owners like you and me, and just talking about trying to make it more fair for the client, right? More fair for both sides if you can do that because it builds trust, builds rapport, sets the relationship off on the right foot. The past couple episodes were sort of, you know, about not trapping people, right? Not trapping a client with a contract, not using it as a way to sort of strong arm them or make them do something that they don't want to do. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about contracts are not a trap, right? To, uh, to keep it a simple arrangement and to not, you know, trap your client in the contract. If something goes wrong, be lenient. Right? Try to help. Try to see it from their side. Don't ha- use it to sort of as leverage to get what you can right now because, you know, this client or a customer might go away. Uh, it's not the right thing to do. And then in a related vein, I talked about not forcing dependency, you know, sort of setting things up so that, you know, a customer doesn't depend on you long term. And I just feel like that, at least in my business, um, even though it sounds counterintuitive, can be something where, uh, you know, again, it sort of builds trust up front that it's not that I'm just trying to get the most out of it from you, but I'm actually trying to serve you uh, and putting your interests first. Now, contracts are important. You want to outline your working relationship. You want to set the parameters, the payment terms, everything, right? All that's really important. However, When I go into a relationship and I write the contract that's going to outline it, I want it to be fair to both sides. And let me give you a good example of what I mean by that, where I actually made a mistake early in my business, and I went back to cure it, even though I probably didn't have to. I thought I had to, but here's the scenario, right? In the first set of contracts, I actually didn't put in an intellectual property clause. This is kind of crazy, actually, given that, you know... 17 years in, in publishing when when I did dozens if not hundreds of contracts every year the fact that I overlooked this was kind of dumb on my part But the IP clause is listen I'm doing a lot of writing or producing stuff for people you know videos or uh, Podcasts or social posts or blogs or whatever all those things that are intellectual property And guess what when I do that for you and I do it on your behalf It's still your property Whatever I create for the client is their intellectual property. And I neglected to assign that to them. Of course, I fixed it now. It's in all my you know, current contracts. But I actually went back <laughs> to that first set of clients and said, I made a huge omission. We need to make sure that this is your IP and that it's very, very clear. So I went back and amended all the contracts on the first set just to make sure that was clear. And here's the reason why, because, you know, under US copyright law, if I write a blog post, I express an idea. The copyright belongs to me, even if I'm doing it on your behalf. If we have a verbal agreement, even if you pay me for it, the copyright belongs to me. And what's more is it's going to last my lifetime plus 75 years And it's opt out, meaning it's automatic, (laughs) right? Obviously, we can't have this happen. We need to have ownership be very, very clear. So I now have a, a clause in my contract that says anything that we create together as a part of this project is your IP. Let's be super clear about that. And like I said, went back and amended all that. And let's, you know, if you think, all right, that's Michael, that's probably overboard. Like, did you really need to go back and do this? And, you know, there's, well, let's look at the scenario. Where that clause doesn't doesn't exist. Okay, so here's what could happen. So suppose you're working with some vendor like me, because I would never do this, but suppose that you uh, you assign someone to help you with the writing. The writer finishes the job. You, as the client, say it wasn't satisfactory. I'm not going to pay for it. The writer says, "Well, hey, look, it's my work. After all, the IP wasn't assigned. We don't have a contract. You know." I have ownership of this. I'm going to go and do something with this and you will be powerless to do anything about it because the copyright will belong to the writer. And, you know, would that hold up in court? Maybe, maybe not. But copyright law would back him up. That's a problem. This scenario sucks. I've seen it happen. Thankfully, not more than a few times and obviously never with me in my own business. But there have been clients who I work with who are held hostage by another vendor, by some ambiguity like this or some vagueness and and certainly some moral shortcomings as well. And look, this is no way to do business. It actually hurts those of us like you and me who are trying to do the right thing. This kind of vindictive behavior, ways to sort of strong arm people with the contract or, you know, I'm not signing the contract. Even in the best light, it's vindictive. But here's another scenario that could happen without this specified, too. Um, All right. Suppose that I, I didn't go back and amend this. Suppose I did work for a client. We didn't have the IP ownership clause in there. Now, suppose that down the road, five, 10 years from now, they want to sell their business. They've built up a huge audience, a lot of products, whatever, and we're going to sell the business. The buyers of the business, they're going to want assurances that their blog or the site copy or the ebook or whatever it is that's there, the online courses, they want to make sure those are all transferable. This is called assignment in the legal terms. And the seller has to warrant that they have all the rights to do so. Well, guess what? If that wasn't specified, they don't have the rights. (laughs) Okay. And you want to be thinking, you know, a few steps ahead on this in your business because you never know. Like the thing that you build might turn into something that you could profit from uh, in terms of a sale, an outright sale of the business. So you want to have all your stuff super, super clear. So I make this really easy for them. And I just say, look, you're paying for my energy, my creativity, the IP we create is yours. And you should make sure if you are hiring someone like me that you have that clause in there too in whatever contract. And, you know, let's just formalize it, right? So there's no ambiguity now or in a future scenario, nice and clean, right? You're not leaving something open in case something goes wrong, a loophole for a vendor to exploit. And like I said, that's lame and no way to do business. Now, of course, this was an honest mistake, right? This was just an oversight, just missed it. I was new to this. You know, even though I had been in an IP business like publishing for years and years, you know, I was new to running my own business and it was just a simple oversight. But think about this. The fact that I went through, changed all these contracts, uh, made it right with the client, even if it was something they wouldn't have noticed, it was important to me. And I like to think that that said something about me to my clients, right? It said, wow, this this guy. He went to all this extra trouble to fix something that only has the potential to do some damage. It's not currently doing damage. And, you know, he did the right thing. And that part to me is the most valuable because it's, well, look, when the whole relationship starts off from the point of trust first, it's going to be a better relationship. And I want this to last long term as much as possible. Right? Don't want to force dependency, but I do want this client to be around for as long as he or she wants to. But then after that, those clients are going to be the best source for me finding new clients. whether it's the network or in testimonials or just, you know, when I've got a new perspective who says, "Wow, you know, I want to do this, but it seems like it's expensive or it's going to take a long time or whatever the, uh, the objection is, I can say here. Let me have you talk to someone I've worked with really deeply for X amount of time. Here's what we did. And let them speak for themselves what it's like to work with me. And, you know, little things like this layered on top of the good work that I do all the time, right? I mean, it's not going to be everything, but it is just another thing that's going to make them believe in me, the work that I do, and the ethics that I have. And all that, I mean, that stuff is invaluable. Even from just a practical standpoint, you know, not even you know, just leave off the table the the fact that it's just the right thing to do. So that's the way that you know that I run my contracts. I know I've spent a good amount of time on this and all, but um, but I thought these these are good lessons that I've learned. And, and and again, in the spirit of the series that I just finished last week, you know. Just wanted to share it with you in the hopes that it helps you in running your own business. Uh, Just have another perspective, uh, more stories from the trenches, (laughs) mistakes that I've made uh, in addition to the successes that I've had. I think all that's important in our respective journeys. So hope that you get something out of it. All right. Again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you and we'll see you on the next episode.